Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 154 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. In today's episode, we are covering food as medicine for stress resilience, and I'll be taking a deep dive on strategic nutrients and how they can aid in supporting your body's stress demands, as well as some current or lifestyle strategies that I've been personally applying in preparation for fight or flight mode with my launching book tour of the Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook. Yes. So in a way, today's episode is in celebration of the release of the Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook. We always pre-record at least by a week or so, but I saw on your Instagram story this morning that uh, we're back to the regularly scheduled release date of September 17th. Is that right? I do believe so. So this week, baby, it's coming out. It, it, it could be delivered to your door, you guys, as you listen to this episode. Who knows? It definitely could be, especially if you pre-ordered on Amazon, which I just did that for myself just for funsies. I know like I'll get a copy from our publisher or whatever, but I just like getting it like the second it comes out. So if you haven't done that already, head on over to the link in today's show notes to pre-order your copy, or if it's available, just pick it up and it'll be there, you know, prime shipping within a day or two. Um, So I know back in episode 140, we gave you all a sneak peek into the sections of the book, the recipes to expect, and just some of the unique concepts of the book. So definitely go back and check out episode 140 as well. Absolutely. And as Becky said, it is available. If it's coming on Thursday or Tuesday and you're listening on Monday, it is available for pre-order even beyond the world of Amazon, which I know serves all and it's <laughs> reign supreme, but uh, it's pre-order through Target, through Barnes and Noble, through really anywhere books are sold. Uh, so all of the spots that I am stopping at on book tour, if we're talking about like book people in Austin or um, other local bookstores in the Pacific Northwest or in San Francisco, you can pre-order from your vendor as well. And that's a really great way, of course, to, to vote with your dollar and support a local business and give them love for hosting me during my book tour stop. So definitely check out the stops. And uh, I want to announce some fun things at book tour because now we're like rock and roll. T minus two weeks, I will be on the road. But before we get to that stuff and stress resilience, let's have a word from today's opening sponsor, CrowdCow. Yes. CrowdCow delivers the very best craft meat from the farm straight to your table. So you know the breed, style of beef, and you get to virtually meet the small independent ranch who produced your beef. And you pick the exact cuts and have it delivered straight to your door. So not a subscription service. You're able to really curate your experience. Yes. That was one thing that I really loved about CrowdCow is that connecting to your own local community, you can actually search by state. You can also search by uh, cuts of meat as well as whether you want grass finished or uh, 
just pasture raised grain finish for more marbleization. And you can get anything from a dry aged ground beef, which will change your life because dry aged ground beef has an amazing texture and flavor profile. I get mine grass fed, grass finished, of course, all the way up to the high level A5 Wagyu from Japan, which has won the Wagyu Olympics. (laughs) So there's a huge pendulum swing of the quality that they offer and the price point, but you will find that this is one of the best ways to support decentralizing the food system as far as the fact that most of the meat today that hits our market, even in quote unquote natural food stores, come from Kofas or beef brokers. So CrowdCow never will buy from them. They're always going to buy from small scale ranchers, which is the reason why I choose to vote with my dollar and uh, support this company. So you can let them know that you heard about CrowdCow through me first by going over to crowdcow.com backslash naturally nourished, like the name of the podcast, backslash naturally nourished, and you will get $25 off your first order and free shipping. Again, that's crowdcow.com naturally nourished. Awesome. Such an amazing way to treat yourself. And even beyond beef, they have grass-fed lamb, they have pasture-raised chicken, um, and I believe they have salmon still on um, their listing of offerings. So go on over, check them out. Let's get into some book tour stuff. Yeah. So we're, we're building the page. It's going to be beautiful and flawless by the time this episode airs, of course, uh, <laughs> Allie Miller, rd.com events. We're always seeking and serving into the future, right? <laughs> it's already there. That's how we manifest. Yep. Uh, so if you go to Allie Miller, rd.com backslash events, you will see over, I believe at this juncture, I have nine events planned that will all have linkable tickets. Now the super cool thing is that like 70 plus percent of these events are free. That's right. I do want you to go over an RSVP so that I can get a head count and I can ensure that you have goodies because my anti-anxiety diet cookbook book tour is sponsored by three of my favorite, most awesome companies, and you will get goodies and we'll be doing a giveaway from each of these companies per stop. So my gold level sponsor for the book tour, oh, do I need a drum roll? Do, 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 yes. do, do. I know we need a sound effect. Yeah, yeah there you go. That's their own kind of drums. No, it's supposed <laughs> yeah, to be like, a, that's like a punchline. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's more like that. Yeah. There you go. Gold level sponsor is uh, further food. So super excited to have them uh, sponsoring the book tour. And I will be doing an amazing event in San Francisco on October 10th. Um, stay tuned for details as they evolve on that. Uh, so I will have at every stop of the book tour sample sizes of collagen. I am seeking to also get some mindful matcha or turmeric tonic packs. And then at each stop, I will be doing a raffle for a giveaway from a full-size gelatin collagen and uh, choice of the mindful matcha or turmeric tonic. My silver level sponsor... Wait for it. I know, just humor me. Uh, Silver Letters level sponsor is F-Bomb. Probably no big surprise there. We'll be hearing from them later as they are a sponsor of today's episode as well. So everyone that comes and sees me on tour will be able to drop an F-Bomb with me. Uh, We'll have giveaways uh, as large boxes and premium oils and maybe get them to do some meat sticks on some of the stops. But everyone at every stop will get an F-Bomb nut butter pack. And my bronze sponsor is... 
Further Food. So Further, excuse me, Further Food is the first sponsor. I'm so sorry. I got so excited. My bronze sponsor is Bonafide Provisions. Um, and so Bonafide Provisions, always love them as the true real bone broth. Um, we'll be doing some bone broth bars at a couple of the city stops. I think at Bastyr University, we're going to be scooting in a bone broth bar also in the Pacific Northwest uh, in Portland, Oregon. Uh, we will be bringing them to Dallas, Texas with us and a couple places along the way. So I will see you guys early October in Seattle. I am doing a Seattle Kenmore event at Bestier. I am doing a Seattle Tacoma event at Marlene's Market. Definitely go over to the website again and click to RSVP for either of those. Portland, Oregon, I'll be doing an event at Pacific Northwest Pilates. San Francisco, I have the collaboration event with Further Food on October 10th and two events pending in San Francisco. Stay tuned. And then I will be going October 19th to San Antonio for the Adapt San Antonio event with Dr. Eric Westman. Um, So that'll be a full day conference that I'll be there doing book signings and a lecture. And then in Dallas, Texas, we have an awesome event coming up. Do you want to tell a little bit about that one, Becky? Yeah, I'm working on the the banner. It'll be up again. That means I know everything about it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it's called Resilient, Brilliant, and Balanced. And it will be a half day kind of conference style light, I think from about 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. We said with a a variance of there's some VIP add-ons that you can have some extra time with the speakers. But Allie will be headlining that event along with... Um, Sean Wells, RD, Susie Batiste, and then Keto Fit Cowboy Cody. Yes. I'm forgetting Cody. his last name. Keto, Cow- Keto Fit Keto Cowboy, Cowboy Cody. doesn't need a last yeah. name. <laughs> yes. Um, so um, some awesome movers and shakers in the Dallas keto movement. Um, we'll be doing a barbecue style lunch buffet and lots more to come on that event as it unfolds. Yes. And then I think another movement class event hybrid in Dallas that I'm in the works of laying out. And then I have two events in Houston, Texas on November 16th. One will be at Lemon. Is it Lemon Lane? Is that how you say it? Yes. Not like Lemon. Lemon Lane. Lemon Lane. Uh, Which is a uh, like natural cosmetic beauty shop. Is that the best way to so right. cool. So, so awesome. like you could drop some serious money in that store or at least <laughs> uh, it's a really cool place for any of you in Houston looking to like clean out the beauty shelves or just splurge and treat yourselves. Um, that should be a really fun event. Yeah. I'll be making my matcha lime gelatin pudding for dessert. That's excuse me for breakfast, little brunch thing with blackberries on top. Or maybe Becky will be making it for me, to be fair. And (laughs) we'll be there on uh, the morning of November 16th. And then that afternoon, I am doing an event with the Health uh, Museum in downtown Houston in the Museum District. And then that last but not least, Austin, Texas, book people signing on November 25th. That's the week of Thanksgiving. So bring your family and all the people. And uh, two weeks prior to that, I am uh, booking an event, Food is Medicine in the Village, which is going to take place off of Anderson Lane, 183 area at uh, the outside kind of Galleria area of the village, which includes Austin Life Chiropractic and other local like-minded businesses. And I think I'm kind of curating that one to be almost like a 2.0 food is medicine at the farm with a bunch of different local partners that are going to pop up shop and it's going to be a great time. So stay tuned. Go over to AllieMillerRD.com 
backslash events. And that's where you'll be first to know what's going on. Also, you guys keep emailing me if you have ideas, spaces, places that you'd like to see me talk um, and, uh, you know, really work with your audience, especially if you have a targeted group, a large keto following or food as medicine, paleo, ancestral type uh, space or business. I would love to add on and extend for 2020. And I know there's already a couple of really cool things in the works for Atlanta and some other big cities. So stay tuned. Yeah, I was going to say, guys, you know, Allie, so there's going to be more. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But, so. yes. we're, we're not saturated yes. yet. <laughs> no. And I didn't even mention New York on here. New York is happening early November. Um, and so I'm doing a podcast with Mind Body Green, but I've yet to anchor an event yet. I've just been kind of playing tennis with all the balls in the air. So any of you listeners from the Brooklyn or New York area that has a space that would love to host me or a friend or an idea that is novel, I would love to come do a community event and book signing in addition to my podcast recording. Awesome. Awesome. And it's worth noting here that the anti-anxiety diet is actually now printed in three languages and yes. in lots and lots of countries and just hit over 140 reviews. So it would be amazing for Allie and for me um, if you guys would head over, if you've read the book to leave a review, take that extra couple of minutes and, and super important too, as this new cookbook releases, as soon as yes. you get your copy and have some time to flip through it, take that extra three, five minutes to write a couple of sentences about why you love the book. So it can make it into more people's hands and move up the algorithms as, as a, however they work. Right. Um, yes. So we can get a number <laughs> one spot on Amazon. Absolutely. Yes. Awesome. All right. So let's get into the meat of today's episode. I want to hit on five different nutrients or areas of focus that will aid in stress resilience or maybe our anti-anxiety, if you will. Um, so, <laughs> right. All <yeah>. things are. <laughs> Um, so we've covered, you know, these in, in various forms, but we're going to dig deeper specific to mood and stress support today. Um, so starting with magnesium, which I've heard you call the original chill pill, and we've given this one quite a bit of airtime, but let's just uh, go into magnesium a little bit deeper and speak directly to its effect on the HPA access. Yes. And, and it is the original chill pill for sure. Uh, you know, we've talked before about how magnesium is involved in hundreds of enzymes in the body. We used to say over 300. Now we're thinking potentially over 500 active enzyme pathways in the body. So this means that basically as a nutrient, it flips a lot of switches, right? So it can upregulate or downregulate many processes talking about metabolic processes, the way our body metabolizes glucose, the way our body regulates physiological processes like blood pressure. And we tend to think of magnesium, especially in the most bioavailable form as a releaser of neuromuscular tension. And we know that deficiency of magnesium is highly associated with increased anxiety, um, muscle tremors or tics, so neuromuscular uh, tension for sure and cramping, and that we can see elevated blood pressure because magnesium is a vasodilator and a neuromuscular relaxer. So when you're starting to feel the effects of long work hours or an intensive workout on your body, 
like you're, you're grabbing at your shoulder and trying to kind of massage it, or you're noticing that you're clenching more in the jaw, magnesium is going to be your friend. And to take this a step further, because I know we've talked about that neuromuscular release, I don't think we have really enlightened you to the level of, of function impact of magnesium, even to the level of the HPA access, which again, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal HPA access is that primary regulatory impact on our autonomic nervous system. And it's what's going to respond to this sympathetic response of fight or flight mode, that uh, reactive mode, or the parasympathetic rest, digest, reproduce, metabolize, regulatory function of that access, right? And magnesium actually does two really cool things for the HPA axis. One, it's able to actually directly suppress cortisol release and adrenal output by reducing the stimulation to the gland. So on the HPA axis, magnesium actually interferes with ACTH, So it suppresses ACTH or the adrenocorticotropic hormone made by the pituitary gland, the P, right? And that's the primary stimulator to tell the adrenals to release or upregulate. So magnesium actually flips that switch to downregulate the pituitary signaling to the adrenal glands, which is awesome as far as a stress regulator. And then it also has the unique ability to cross the blood-brain barrier. So many nutrients do not, as we've discussed in past episodes. So as magnesium crosses the blood-brain barrier, it actually serves as somewhat of a gatekeeper to keep stress-responding chemicals out. It blocks the entrance of stress hormones to the brain as a survival mechanism. So we'll feel we'll feel less wiry, less anxious, less overreactive at a time of chronic stress. Okay. So beyond what we typically think of, of like that neuromuscular release or that tension in the neck or jaw, or, um, even tension headaches and migraines and things like that, there are actually direct mechanisms on the adrenals and the HPA access, as well as functioning directly in the brain, which is super powerful. Um, let's talk (laughs) about food and supplemental support for magnesium. You know, so I would say just to kind of get a little bit more of a light on the aha moment for listeners, you know, so if you're experiencing that neuromuscular tension, that means that you're probably also experiencing not getting that feedback of the cortisol, Mm -hmm. giving that negative feedback to stop the HPA axis from wiring, right? And firing. And you're probably also not getting that gatekeeper effect. So that's enough aha to like get on it. And so when we're talking about food as medicine for magnesium, I, my top four favorites are leafy greens, which is why all of my protocols across the board, aside from a bone broth fast and taking potentially a gut reset with a carnivore approach, all other protocols are going to always have two to three cups of leafy greens. Uh, leafy greens are a fantastic tool to give you also foliage. We're going to talk next about B vitamins and the impact on folate. Uh, greens also are going to give you a lot of volume without a lot of calorie density, support the microbiome by giving us some of that insoluble fiber. That also means that with supporting bile flow and bitter compounds to blend with that bile, that we're going to get detoxification and hormone regulation in the body. So two to three cups of leafy greens. And both Becky and I are huge advocates of, of course, being more of a locavore approach, switching up your greens with what your seasonal farmer's market has to offer. So I think in Houston too, you guys are getting a lot of that like Malbar spinach. 
That's right, the like really. <laughs> I was at yeah. the weekend. It's it's kind of that time of like everything's like burnt to a crisp before the fall crops start to come out. But yeah, Malbar spinach and that's literally it. And you know, herbs can count toward they do. And microgreens. There's nothing else. Yep, exactly. So that's what I bought this weekend. <laughs> yeah, but I was just gonna say, you know, expanding beyond the repertoire of like your standard, mm-hmm. you know, head lettuce or even baby spinach, like Malbar has a lot more density. In fact, it actually should be cooked. You'll read that you can eat it raw, but it has a higher amount of oxalates as well because of that that uh, the dense cellulose um, structure of the plant. But but whether we're talking about rainbow chard, whether we're talking about playing with different varietals of kale, um, whether we're talking about dandelion green, endive, uh, getting a variety of your greens is going to provide you a more diverse web of nutrient density and phytocompounds as well. So two to three cups a day, switch it up. And then other magnesium-rich foods, cacao. Um, oh, I could sing to chocolate all day long. Um, love recommending a prescription for chocolate. So anytime you're getting a good quality chocolate bar that has 80% or greater uh, mass, that's when we're going to get higher or therapeutic levels of actual cacao. And then incorporation of cacao nibs, we do that in a couple recipes in the anti-anxiety diet cookbook, like that beet cheesecake is topped with nibs, which provides a really nice bitter crunch. Uh, And then using 100% ground cacao powder in varied deliveries, and even cacao butter can be a great delivery of magnesium. So if you're uh, maybe not doing dairy and you're following the anti-anxiety diet protocol, you could add cacao butter and coconut oil to your keto coffee in the morning. And that could be a really great, not only kind of robust flavor profile, but give you that nutrient density and those uh, fatty acids, as well as the magnesium. And as we get into fall and winter seasons, if you're craving that like peppermint mocha-y flavor, you can do a couple drops of either the select CBD, and we'll talk about CBD in a bit, um, peppermint um, tincture or just some peppermint um, oil that's edible food grade. And that with the cacao butter is like a peppermint mocha without all the crappy stuff that Starbucks puts in it. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And the last two magnesium-rich foods, I would say, are avocado and then nuts and seeds. So a lot also, I would say, of my recipes have a foundation of a nut flour, or um, I incorporate nuts and seeds in otherwise as a snack, like an F-bomb pack, or um, incorporating uh, seeds as a topper and a savory sense. Awesome. So any uh, fun ideas for combining all of those foods? I don't know if I can get cacao, leafy greens, and avocado, and nuts and seeds all into one recipe. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that there's that recipe. Um, I, I do that kind of in smoothies pretty regularly. Okay, yeah, a smoothie could could work. I was thinking like the chocolate avocado mousse, you could hit, you know, three out of the four, but you don't want leafy greens in there necessarily. <laughs> yes, but a smoothie would work really well. Yep. So if you're doing um, a couple handfuls of leafy greens in there, you could use uh, – For your nuts and seeds, you could use like a fresh made soaked and sprouted almond milk as the base and then uh, half an avocado in there, a big old tablespoon of cacao powder. And then um, you may even incorporate, you know, a nut butter if you want it as well. And I think that that would work really beautifully. Add in a scoop of the grass fed, naturally nourished uh, protein powder and you're rock and roll for a meal replacement right there. Yeah, you're right. I totally do something like that pretty regularly. So. <laughs> <laughs> How can we How do can this? How can you do it? Oh, I just did it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, and in terms of supplements, I feel like we talk about relax and regulate all the time, but 
literally there's a reason. <laughs> um, yes. and, and we've hit, you know, on prior episodes, why it's so awesome. But, um, now knowing that, um, all of this new information with magnesium and, and direct action on the adrenals, um, let's talk supplements and talk a little bit more about some of the popular ones on the market. Cause I can't tell you nine times out of 10, when I'm going through intake with a client, looking at their supplements, they're like, Oh yeah, I take magnesium for sleep. And I'm like, okay, which one is it? They'll either like run to their kitchen or uh, screenshot me a picture of the, the calm magnesium. And I'm like, I'm sorry, that probably should go in the trash or at least to the back of your shelf for like emergencies only use chronic constipation time only. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yes. So yeah. And it's, it's frustrating because, uh, you know, of course I have a supplement called calm and clear and then relax and regulate. So I think people are like, Oh, calm. The one Allie's always talking yep. about. <laughs> no, not it, you guys. <laughs> yeah. So the, the cylinder, yeah. Like calm, uh, magnesium, it's like white with eighties looking advertising on it. Sorry guys. Um, but, uh, it is ionic, magnesium and it uses the form of magnesium citrate. And it also has other stabilizers that I'm not a fan of, including flavor enhancers and stevia, which you guys know how I feel about non-caloric sweeteners. So that one is not a good one. In any way, uh, magnesium citrate is going to be more osmotic, meaning that it pulls water into the body, which is how it works as a stool softener. This over time can cause bowel dependency and does not have the same bioavailability and calming effect, meaning that it's not going to be as able to cross that blood-brain barrier. It's not going to have as much of a functionally available uh, nutrient delivery um, when it's osmotic. It's kind of getting flushed through the body, if you will. There's also forms out there like mag oxide, which also is more targeted as a bowel stimulator. You want magnesium glycinate, or magnesium bisglycinate. Either of those are great forms. And so when we're talking about magnesium and glycine, the way that the mineral is bound is going to be significantly superior in its absorbability and also in its availability for the body. So magnesium glycinate or magnesium bisglycinate is going to be the one that you'd want for relaxation, enhanced sleep quality, stress relief, modulating your HPA access and supporting that stress resilience. And then one more thing I just want to mention on magnesium glycinate and bisglycinate. Um, there is a little bit of, um, some hindrance of, of the activation and absorption. And so a lot of formulas will add citric acid. Um, the one concern that you always want to watch for if you're buying a supplement or a food product that has citric acid is the, the source of the citric acid. So the relax and regulate uses molasses, which is, you know, the whole food form of cane sugar. So you might be like, what you add sugar Citric acid does not have any grams of carbohydrates, so it's not adding any sugar to the formula. It's an extraction, though, from molasses, which is not genetically modified, whereas corn, highly genetically modified, is going to have more byproduct toxicity than the cleaner extraction from molasses is. So the source of the citrate is really important when you're looking at citric acid added to a formula, either as a filler for bulking or as an activator to adjust the um, alkalinity and acidity of a product. Yeah. So super, super important when you're taking supplements to flip them over and, you know, run them through 
probably more stringent criteria even than you would like a food at the grocery store, but you want to know what all those ingredients are, what they're derived from. And, and that note on corn is especially important if you are someone who, you know, has an inflammatory condition that you're trying to avoid corn and then you're taking it daily in a supplement. That's no bueno. Um, so always when talking to clients or listeners of the podcast, always super important to talk about source and form being, you know, very influential in terms of your outcomes. And then, you know, in the naturally nourished line, uh, there's always something kind of added to elevate the formula, hopefully even, even more so, um, like the relax and regulate contains inositol, which aids in cellular signaling has huge beneficial impacts in terms of hormonal balance and sleep. Yeah. Oh, totally. And and so, right. That's the big goal is when I vet a formula, um, I usually have been using it in clinic, uh, for over three years, if not upwards of 10 plus years, uh, some, some formulas like relax and regulate have stood the test of time. And, uh, I'm always vetting to find something out there that is potent, pure, right. And, uh, also is going to have something that really creates therapeutic synergistic effects. And, and that's all really important for me before I'm going to stamp my name on it. Yep. And I think relax and regulate is like definitely one of my deserted Island supplements. The only time I would ever do the natural calm. And I think you've been guilty of this as well as if you re- run out of relax and regulate on vacation and haven't pooped in three days. And it's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? The natural cum is actually quite good for that because again, it works as an osmotic laxative, but that's the only time you should use that stuff in Very emergency, true. you know, when you are not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> totally. All right. Um, so on the topic of inositol, let's talk about other um, B family vitamins and how B vitamins, this is always one that we hear about B complex for stress and, and you know, a big kind of advertising point a lot of times of, of different B vitamin supplements, but where do B vitamins come in? Yes. So B vitamins, really the big thing to understand is they work as cofactors. So when we're talking about our neurotransmitters, we're talking about generally speaking, amino acids or protein derived building blocks that are precursors building blocks, right? And then the B vitamins are required to activate or convert that precursor into the active compound. And B vitamins play such a role with our neurological system. So inositol we've already covered, which would be in that kind of cousin to the B vitamin family. And I want to hit another maybe outside the norm before I go into those that are commonly seen in B vitamin formulas. So choline would be one that I think is a really important focus when we're talking about stress resilience and stress tolerance. So choline plays a significant role in our nervous system, be that all of the fibers that carry messages, both in our sympathetic fight or flight and our parasympathetic regulatory system, all of these fibers are cholinergenic. And this basically means that our nerve fibers are protected by myelin. And this myelin sheath is going to be supported by choline as a nutrient. The fatter, the, the fattier the myelin sheath, 
the more rapid, think of it like lubricating it up, right? The more rapid the signals are going to be shared with our neurotransmitters. And acetylcholine as a form of the choline nutrient serves as a neurotransmitter chemical conductor. So it plays a significant role in the communication of the signaling as well as supporting the fibers and the integrity of basically the the phone lines, if you will, of communication. So choline has been shown in study after study to have an inverse relationship with anxiety. And we see that levels are lower where we're often seeing like chronic levels of anxiety and even to the level of panic attack. And we know choline is a super important nutrient when we're talking about neurological development and neural tube defect potentially as important as folate when we're talking about fetal brain development. And the the more concerning element is that choline is actually starting to be seen really in the 90s and so forth as clinically deficient in many Americans. And this is because the richest form of choline is in egg yolk. I think like finally, like 2005 onward, so I I can start kind of shifting my map of timeline, but really in the 90s into the early 2000s, we saw a big hit with choline because of demonizing dietary cholesterol, you know, and really telling people to trade their eggs and bacon, both rich sources of choline from their breakfast table to cereal. And this is when we got into a big issue with starting to see these choline levels decline. And I know there are people out there still eating just egg whites. So if you know them, send them this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, all of the nutrient density is in the yolk. And and so that's a big one that we really like to work for. But before we unpack more foods, other B vitamins. So so choline, again, basically creates the protection of our myelin, um, which, which protects our neurological system. And then it works as a conductor to aid in communication of the signaling. And then most of the other more kind of water soluble B vitamins, which would be inclusive of the other primary players, but the highlights for stress response are going to be B12, biotin, B6, folate, and pantothenate. These all have been tied to mood disorders. They all play an integral role in converting again as a cofactor these neurotransmitters that aid in regulating this HPA axis. And they all play a role with nerve health and signaling. This is why, you know, functional deficiency of B12 and biotin actually, and folate, um, we can all often see uh, neuropathy. So like tingling sensation in the hands or feet, or that like pins and needles sensation, or our arms or legs, quote unquote, falling asleep. This is when the neurological system is lacking in these nutrients. So B vitamins play a huge role with that conductivity. And then pantothenate to call out specific for stress resilience and tolerance, B5 this is, it is critical in maintaining production of stress hormones. So it actually supports the adrenals in the production of cortisol because we know too little can be just as harmful as too much. So we want that magnesium in there to mitigate the excess stimulation and block that ACTH from constantly firing the adrenals. But we need also ample amounts of that pantothenate to fuel the adrenals to produce the stress hormones and those steroidal builders to support overall healthy function. And I can't tell you when I run a micronutrient panel on someone who is stressed or not sleeping or just had a baby, there's usually a huge amount of overlap in all of those B vitamins that you just mentioned, at least 
two or three, if not the whole family of B vitamins that's depleted. Um, so let's talk food as medicine for B vitamins. You mentioned egg yolks. It's a really rich source of choline. Um, what are other favorites for those bees? Yes. Uh, I love, this is where really organs as medicine come into the picture. So we're talking liver, kidneys, any offal. Um, we're looking at pasture raised, uh, sources. So they're going to be free of hormone and antibiotic. And often we are looking at like younger organelle, um, to be also a little bit, uh, less distressed, if you will, and more nutrient dense. There's the whole movement, um, that's happening in the, the keto community with like the raw liver gang. I think, I think if Danny Vega didn't start it, he's damn well leading the pack. Um, because that's in my scope of, uh, people that are, you know, cutting, um, pieces of beef liver and freezing them and swallowing them whole. And, you know, we had done this all the way back, I think it was 2014 or something like that with the raw liver pills where Becky put out a really cute picture of uh, freezing blending, but then putting them in these like little silicone hearts yeah. and swallowing. <laughs> but, but that's a great, a great way to get organs in without tasting and freezing is going to take care of the, you know, foodborne pathogen risk factor. Um, so that's a great option as well. And just an easy way to really use the food as medicine. Uh, and then we'll, in a moment after I list the rest of the foods, talk about other ways to sneak in organs. Cause it feels like always a barrier, but, uh, salmon is another really great source of B vitamins. All fish are, but salmon is one of the top of the list. Wild caught king salmon is my favorite, um, shellfish. So we're talking oysters, mussels, clams, and then really any form of animal product is going to give us the most bioavailable form of bees. Yeah. So how are you sneaking organ meats in? <laughs> these days. I know there's a ton of, you know, like those ancestral supplements and, and supplement forms coming out. I think we're finally recognizing the importance of organ meats, but it's always a dance. Like I always can tell the clients who are a little bit more adventurous, um, who are going to be receptive to the suggestion of trying to get organs, you know, once a week or once every two weeks. And then those who are going to be a little bit squeamish of, I'm not quite there yet. So what are, what are some of your good tricks? My favorite is still doing a bolognese. I just, it works really well. And the tomato paste and the tomato sauce has enough of that umami, um, you know, kind of glutamate flavor profile, which I think creates some softness to the, the metallic or like gamey taste of organ. So that's very helpful. And then adding in greens to give a little bit of bitter also helps within the bolognese. That's my for sure go-to, but I will say as a little tease, because the book's out, um, the anti-anxiety diet cookbook has an awesome recipe for these, uh, turkey bites. It's in the kids chapter and, um, Stella really digs those. They're called Turkey macadamia nuggets with liver. And you basically incorporate the macadamia nut with ground turkey, ground dark meat, turkey, and liver all in a food processor with a bunch of herbs. And you form them into like meatball patties and then bake them. And the macadamia nut provides a really great, like crunchy, creamy mouthfeel. Um, and they're phenomenal. I think they're really fantastic. You could throw in a little bit of bacon if you wanted to flavor it even further. I had bacon already in like so many recipes. <laughs> I didn't allow myself to add for the book, but that would be something I would recommend. Uh, and then Stella does it with like a uh, aioli dip. 
Um, and so that works really well where I'll just take like a little bit of a mustard and a avocado based mayo, and then she'll dip that in, into there. And I will say she won't eat it without the dip because it probably does have a little bit more of that pungent flavor profile. But I mean, you know, her palate's pretty adventurous as well. So she does quite well. Yes. And you can always scale back, you know, the amount of organ that yes. you're using in a recipe too. So if you're doing a bolognese, it'd be fine to cut with extra ground beef or ground pork if your family hasn't quite tuned their palates in yet. Um, I also love doing pâtés. We have a, a pâté puree recipe on the blog that I'll link to. I've been doing one with some truffle oil added and um, chicken livers and lots of like caramelized onion and garlic. Those flavors tend to cover things up. But yeah, when all else fails, just add bacon and yes. you know, it's just a few bites. But I, I've had many a moment of like making liver and having to talk myself through like eating every bite of it. This is medicinal. <laughs> this is medicinal. This is good for you. You like it. <laughs> oh my God. But you like it. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it's very true. I need to kind of cheerlead myself on. And, and my personal ratio that works is a quarter. I'm not sure what you're doing in your household, but half and half is too much for me in my flavor profile to enjoy it. So I like to do a quarter. So that would mean like a pound and a half of ground beef to a half pound of organ blend. And, you know, that's what works in, in my household. That totally makes sense. And then, you know, if you just can't get into the organ stuff or you're not quite there yet, I would count shellfish, especially like oysters, mussels, clams, yes. any of those that have, or even like sardines, anchovies, smaller fish that have, you know, the organelle intact, you can count those toward kind of the same concept, right? 100% love it. And I think more more approachable for me personally. So I, that's why I'm a huge fan of, I try to get it half a dozen oysters at least once a month. That's like a dining out indulgence for sure. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to cooler weather where we can enjoy oysters. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it's very promising. Again, like at the farmer's market this weekend, I'm starting to see the trend of, you know, if you go at like starts at eight, if you go at 10 a.m., they're out of bones, they're out of chicken feet, and they're out of like liver and kidneys at my favorite chicken and beef vendors. And I'm like, sucks because I can't get what I wanted, but it's a positive shift um, that I think we're starting to see that people are actually, you know, getting turned back onto these ancestral foods. Yes. Love it. Good Love things. it. Thanks. Keep doing that. Yep. All right. And then supplemental support for B vitamins, because sometimes food really doesn't cut it. Like I'll go through a list with folks who have multiple B vitamin deficiencies. They're like, uh, I eat eggs every day. I'm already eating liver. I listen to the podcast. I do everything you say, and you're still deficient. You probably need yeah, a supplement. I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be on the Naturally Nourished B Complex for life. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because I'm a, I'm a hustler and I just burn, burn, burn. And, you know, you just get a really perfect synergy in all bioavailable forms. So that's really a helpful tool when we're running on high stress demands to prevent that depletion and or supplement the deficiency itself. So the B complex is definitely the jam for that. It has a really great uh, delivery of the varied forms of all the B compounds that we mentioned in bioavailable forms. And I also would like to call out, you know, as you mentioned, like 
a lot of mamas having low Bs and whatnot. Remember women that birth control, oral birth control interferes with B vitamin status. So if you've had a history of use of birth control or you're currently on any form of birth control, that is going to be another reason to deplete. So it's beyond, again, we could be deficient in a nutrient based on increased demand, which might be stressed, or it could be inability to absorb or use. Like maybe you don't have enough hydrochloric acid and that's throwing down your B12 levels, right? So maybe you're eating the meat, but you're not able to break it down and activate it with that intrinsic factor. Um, or it could also be genetics, which is something I do want to unpack a little bit uh Keep me, keep me grounded, Becky. Let's, let's do, do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk folate methylation and, and bioavailability a little bit. We've touched on this in prior episodes, but probably not in a while. Um, yeah, I think did... it was 69 and 70. Uh-huh. Sorry. Good job. <laughs> Good memory. Um, so how does methylation impact our mood and, and stress response? And would people with certain genetic SNPs expect to see more impact on, you know, anxiety, for example, or mental health? Sure. So, you know, the the first gene I think that really brought this SNP conversation to the table is the MTHFR gene, which stands for methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase. And uh, this looks at the way that our body regulates and uses folate, right? So methylation is a process of building or excreting. And 40% of the population have a genetic SNP on the MTHFR gene, meaning that they are at lower functionality of methylation. So this means that they may not be building feel-good neurotransmitters, or they may not be excreting toxins or other compounds that could drive imbalanced neurotransmitters. So we tend to see with methylation um, or, or methylation issues a higher demand for methylcobalamin or B12, but more specifically, and that'd be in the methylated form, as you heard, versus cyanocobalamin, which is the synthetic, um, and more specifically, though, for methylfolate. Um, so this may be seen in a formula like in our multi-defense, you'll see it as 5-methyltetrahydrofolate, or you may see a methylfolate in a more gentle form, which would be like a nature-made folate. This is the form that's going to be in our uh, multi-avail mama and also in the B-complex. And this nature-made folate is a patented blend of a methylfolate and a calcium folinic acid, which is the two most bioavailable forms without over-methylating. So the first things to kind of understand, just just bar none, is always avoid products that have, what was the word I was going to say? Uh... B12 synthetic. Cyanocobalamin. Cyanocobalamin. Thank you. My brain just stopped. (laughs) Um, So always avoid the formulas that have cyanocobalamin or folic acid and look for formulas that have the bioavailable players. Now, the issue with methylation that I just want to bring to the table here is don't get into that American mindset of, oh, Ali said methylfolate, good. Methylfolate helps me make stress responding neurotransmitters. I'm going to take three grams and see what happens. Um, this is not a good idea because you may be over methylating and this can actually drive more agitation, 
more anxiety. Um, it can cause brain fog, difficulty concentrating. And this comes down to another gene called COMT. So COMT is a gene that influences the metabolism of your stress responding chemicals known as catecholamines. So this includes your epinephrine, your dopamine, your norepinephrine. And if you take too much methylfolate and you're a COMT person, then that one wheel spins fast and it builds up like a dam and you have all of these stress responding chemicals waiting to kind of explode or not disengaging. So that's where you can get that agitation, hypervigilance, excess worry. And this is why strategically in our B complex and in the multi-avail mama, we use a blend of methylfolate with that calcium folinic acid, um, which is not folic acid to be very clear. That's the cheapo synthetic, not good one for an MTHFR person. Um, so food for thought there, there's another player in this world that helps to drive that dam, if you will. And it's called Sam E and I've spoke very, you know, little, I would say probably on the podcast about Sam E. So Sam E is another methyl donor, not in the B vitamin family. But this plays a, a way with regulating MTHFR and COMT pathways. So basically, it can donate a uh, methyl group to help to metabolize the buildup of those stress-responding chemicals if you are a COMT person. So SAMe can work really favorably with clients that are on a um, medication for anxiety or depression. It actually can aid in metabolism of neurotransmitters without interfering with a particular pathway. And this is something that I will be coming out in 2020. I'm currently on my third formula that I'm personally investigating because I, lucky for me, am a MTHFR and COMT genetic SNP person. <laughs> so I'm kind of playing with both formulas of myself and seeing what works best, playing with it with clients. And we'll be coming out with something in 2020 that has methylfolate, methylated B12, and SAMe. And it'll be basically like a, a methyl booster for the body and particularly the brain and mood. Awesome. So hopefully that wasn't too <laughs> nerdy for you guys and you've stuck, stuck with us so far. Um, now, um, you know, the reason we haven't come out with one so far is, is sometimes, um, dosages, like you said, can be too high or throw things off. So I know you're in development and, you know, same reason that we don't have, for example, um, DHEA or bioidentical hormones per se, or anything with 5-HTP in our line is because we don't want, um, you just start taking those just off of, you know, podcast advice alone. That really requires deeper dive of lab testing to see what's going on. Absolutely. Yeah. So just to kind of ring it around, the forms of methylfolate that you'll get in all of the naturally nourished supplement are in a dosage that would be supportive of MTHFR, but would not be high risk to kick you over into an excess world. And um, if we do come up with a higher dosage methylfolate, it is going to be in conjunction with SAMe to help to regulate that. So it provides that methylation support while turning that secondary wheel to prevent buildup and imbalance. All right. Good stuff. So before we get into that third nutrient, we're only on number three, we can do this. Um, we took a little curveball there with the B vitamins. We've got magnesium and B vitamins. We'll talk about L-theanine in a moment, but before we get there, let's talk about one of our favorite stress-supporting snacks, F-bombs. Yes, totally. So uh, yeah, when stress, drop an F-bomb. Oh. <laughs> Sounds like the perfect thing to do. 
I totally fell in love with F-Bomb at the first ever KetoCon, and they were one of the only snacks that I really was able to indulge in as a representative of a whole food. And that's really what I feel the keto diet should be comprised of is delivery of fats to boost the brain, balance the hormones, and not trick the palate with non-caloric sweeteners and other chemical additive ingredients. So I am pretty darn obsessed with F-bombs because their packets that they kicked off with are high quality fat, macadamia nut and or coconut base. And they also include premium oils as packs, which you can use if you're doing a elimination diet, you can use their olive oil packs on the go, or they have direct MCT oil packs on the go. Great high octane brain fuel. If you want to participate in an intermittent faster and travel, or, you know, aren't sure of your food options. I can't tell you how many F-bombs I went through on my recent trip to Ireland where they are not known for their food quality and um, our schedule was such that we would probably only have one meal a day anyway. I was sucking them down in the backseat of our rental car Um, and you know, beyond their nut butter packs, the oils, like you said, are great for a fat fast or adding to a fat-fueled coffee or tea on the go. Or even, you know, if you're going to a restaurant and um, don't know what kinds of business you're getting into with their salad dressings, you can just do a packet of their avocado oil and drizzle that over your salad. Um, And they've recently expanded their line to add some new really fun offerings that we've been really enjoying in our household, the Keto Crunch, which is a cheese crisp that uses microbial enzymes um, versus additives like cellulose and stuff like that. And then their pork sticks have a really good texture and mouthfeel. I'm not going to say the word, but I'll let you say it, Ellie. Okay. They're moist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They are. No, they're the best texture, I believe, for sure. And they are fat dominant, whereas a lot of meat sticks are not. So these actually work for like a classic keto approach if your child is doing this for epilepsy or whatnot. Really awesome option and delivery. And I will say about the Keto Crunch, the texture also of the cheese crisps, they're much thicker uh, and there's a really good mouthfeel there too. They don't have that like airy, it's that cellulose that gets like stuck Mm -hmm. in your teeth and feels fake (laughs) after a lot of the cheese products on the market. So Keto Crunch definitely fits the bill for a good one. And those are something fun I like to add in Stella's lunch for her to get a side of protein and something to snack on when the kids are eating all the other garbage, veggie straws and whatever else. Um, last to announce about F-Bomb is that da, 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 they have F-Bomb jars, which are amazing. Um, as long as I can keep them on a shelf high enough that Stella can't reach them. So <laughs> <laughs> the, the three flavors that they have out are all fantastic. Uh, we've been um, scooping them onto a plate so Stella can dip her carrot sticks in them um, or different fun things or just just eating them right off of a spoon, blending them into smoothies and so much more. So go on over to drop an F bomb.com slash Allie Miller RD drop an F bomb.com Allie Miller RD. That's how you let them know that you found them through me and you get to support the podcast and help them to continue to support the podcast by purchasing through that link. Um, you'll see a picture of me, so you'll know you're in the right place. Houston agrees. Um, <laughs> drop an F bomb.com slash Allie Miller RD. Houston's the name of Becky's dog. 
Yep, I just tried to silence him. We'll see what happens. He gets him talked <laughs> about F-bombs, I guess. Um, all right, so next up, L-theanine. So not a micronutrient per se. Yep, he's just going to keep going. Um, not a I'll let you mute and I'll talk se. about L-theanine. Exactly. I got okay. my matcha right here. I'm going to quiet that dog and you keep going. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, L-theanine is fantastic Uh, responder for stress. It is a balancing block for the brain, essentially. It serves as a modulator for our brain's neurotransmitters, and it helps to balance out both excess and deficiency. So it can increase our alpha brain waves, and these are seen in elevation during meditation, artistic and creative expression, relaxation, as well as during our REM cycles of sleep. So L-theanine can help to enhance clarity and concentration during the waking hours, as well as get you into that disengaged, deep, qualitative sleep. So L-theanine is something that I use a supplement form with clients that are cramming for an exam, uh, like if we're talking about like MCAPs or if we're talking about um, different bar exam, whatnot, anything that seems really extraneous and is kind of burning out the brain and we're getting jello head, L-theanine will really help with that concentration and focus and clarity without getting into that agitation and anxiety. We've also seen research studies to support that L-theanine in a supplemental form can reduce secretory IgA that was elevated with stress response and um, can drive leaky gut over time, which then would further drive anxiety because as food particles get into the bloodstream, that interferes with the blood-brain barrier and causes all sorts of drama. Now, to be clear, L-theanine will not drop secretory IgA if you're coming at a baseline that's too low, but it's going to bring down elevations of secretory IgA if your body's in a like panic alarm system. Yes. And I think that's the great thing about L-theanine in general is, is working as a modulator. You know, it's kind of bringing everything to center. If something is too high in terms of a neurotransmitter being expressed or too low, it can kind of get you into that nice middle ground. Absolutely. So like you mentioned, Becky, matcha is an awesome form of L-theanine. And that's kind of, I think, what's really brought matcha as a health trend to the table is that it has a more potent delivery of L-theanine as opposed to tea. So it isn't all tea leaves, but matcha is grown shade in the shade um, and that aids in the, um, I guess, bioavailability or the amount or concentration, the concentration of L-theanine in the leaves. And then matcha is, you know, a ground tea leaf versus just steeping it. So you're going to get a really potent punch of L-theanine in your matcha. Um, still less than you would supplementally, really to have a clinical relevance, we're looking at somewhere between 200 milligrams to two grams. So that would be 2000 milligrams per day. And I believe a good quality cup of matcha has about 40 to 60 milligrams for reference. Uh, tea though would still be another good food as medicine support. So you could sip on tea throughout the day as well. And then mushrooms have a small amount of L-theanine as well. Yeah. And I think matcha is something I think a lot of people are drinking it just because it's trendy and fun and it's not coffee and they don't realize that they're getting the Althanian benefits. I recently um, was in New York with my friend, Bill. Shout out to Bill. Um, Bill! <laughs> we, yeah, we need Brady or still. 
Yeah. <laughs> but she's been on a matcha kick. And and also I noticed in her, um, she takes a lot of the naturally nourished line supplements, but I noticed in her supplement cabinet, she had like bottles and bottles of L-theanine. And I was like, well, you know, that's also what's in matcha. So maybe you would do better switching from your morning three espressos that you don't need <laughs> to something like matcha because you're already kind of intense. You need that mellow out. And she's like on a roll with it now. But that's something I've been incorporating, you know, instead of like a mid-afternoon coffee, I'll do an iced matcha latte while it's still super hot and muggy here in Houston, like with a little bit of further food collagen and either coconut milk or almond milk, just kind of quick whipped up in the blender. But matcha is a good one too, um, to incorporate like into desserts or that breakfast yes. pudding that you mentioned. Yeah. So like I said, we're going to do that in the Houston event and it's, it's like a matcha gelatin and it, uh, basically incorporates full fat, coconut milk, lime, lime zest, matcha, and blend that all. You set it in ramekins, you top it with blackberries and it is delightful. I always need to add some acid. I'm, I'm someone that will drink matcha because I know the health benefits but like my heart goes to espresso. Uh, if I was to choose like a cortado, I, I, I will order a matcha as a cortado. That's been my jam. So it's like really concentrated, you know? And then I, I just don't like a lot of liquid in my, in my caffeine delivery. I like it as like a punch. And then I drink water or wine. Um, <laughs> that's kind of my flow. I can do a smoothie and put matcha in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't do like a big old latte thing. Um, but yeah, I've been doing concentrates of matcha, which is really helpful as well. And then just sipping on more of the peak tea packets throughout the day has really helped. I'm going through a move in these next couple of weeks. And whenever I start to realize like a little bit of mini palpitations or <laughs> like this physiological stress response, I do pause. I, I'm midday taking a scoop of relax and regulate during this time to try to uh, you know, help my body stay grounded. I'm already supplementing with all of the calm and clear. Um, but I, I will, uh, have tea for that reason too. And like a non-caffeinated tea as well. Um, it's been really helpful just to give a little bit of that L-theanine. Yeah. They're vanilla rooibos packets are awesome. That's what I've yeah. got on deck right now. And they're really, really good. Or, um, they have a nice ginger citrus blend that I'm really digging as well. Ooh, this all sounds good. All right. So let's talk about, you just mentioned common clear, um, how yes. can, um, we support resilience to stress? Um, so let's see, you wanted to see without including your favorite supplement. Oh, okay. I'm reading the question wrong guys. Um, let's talk about common clear. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. So common clear is, for sure, my favorite supplement in the line. I talk about it all the time, kind of like relax and regulate, but it deserves its own space right now. So yeah, it has 200 milligrams of L-theanine per three capsules. So generally speaking, I recommend four to six capsules a day. So that means that you'd be getting, you know, just over 200 milligrams, upwards of 400 milligrams, which is an effective dosage. You're also looking at a blend of nervines and adaptogens. So nervines are herbs that calm your nervous system. Adaptogens are those that excite your nervous system or are able to adapt to stress demand. So they may not excite to the level of burnout. In fact, they will not. They will help you to adapt, as adaptogen says, um, to adapt to the stress response from those stress resilient compounds. 
So nervines and adaptogens in that formula, there's going to be ashwagandha as the primary adaptogen. There's German chamomile in there. Um, and then there's also going to be some phosphatidylserine in there, which is going to aid in blocking excess cortisol output. Super important when we're under a high stress demand so that we're not burning that HPA axis out, right? And then we're also getting a good blend of B vitamins in the Calm and Clear. And that specifically does not have folate. It has the other Bs, exception of folate, because it takes out that guesswork of if you are someone that's a methylfolate person um, and you're already getting a methylated folate in your multi, we didn't want you to go overboard. And we wanted you to still have the flexibility of dosing higher amounts of calm and clear for the other therapeutic effects. Yep. And that's when under times of high stress, I think you and I both are <laughs> pounding like between six and nine of them per day. Have you ever gone over nine? <laughs> no, not over nine, okay. but that's, yeah, yep. that's where we roll. Solid. <laughs> Four, four is a very far and few between. Like if I'm on vacation, I take only four. Okay. <laughs> Most of the time it's six oh and gosh. upwards. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And then this next one beyond L-theanine, um, this is more of a living thing, I guess, than a, a nutrient per se, but let's talk about the role of probiotics and the microbiome in stress resilience and management yes. anxiety. Totally. So, you know, you guys have heard me say before that probiotics are nature's Prozac. And of course, this is because the beneficial flora, specifically lactobacillus and bifidobacterium, play a significant role in producing our feel-good inhibitory mellow or outer neurotransmitters, that's serotonin and GABA. So we know over 90% of the serotonin that our body makes is manufactured in the gut and lactobacillus and bifido are the strains of primary focus. So what's really interesting to think about as your microbiome is Remember, the gut is the second brain of the body, right? And we call that our enteric nervous system. And our enteric nervous system actually has more neurons in it, that's your gut, right, than the central nervous system, the brain and the spine combined. There's actually more neuron impact in your gut. And the enteric nervous system and the central nervous system communicate bilaterally. So your, your central nervous system is giving signals to your gut and your gut is giving signals back to your brain. And it's this chicken and egg communication pathway, right? So when we're stressed on its own, we might notice that we either clench up, the enteric nervous system gets paralysis, right? And so we get constipation under times of stress, or you might get enhanced peristalsis where things are pumping really rapid and you get like the, the butterfly in your belly and you have loose stools. On the other hand, we're also producing neurotransmitters and giving that feedback back to the brain, right? Um, now what's interesting is in a state of dysbiosis or bacterial imbalance, whether we're dealing with SIBO or candida or another gut pathogen, the enteric nervous system is going to produce more stress responders and reactive compounds than regulatory inhibitory compounds. So we'll actually see higher amounts of epinephrine or adrenaline made by the gut, which is going to continue to perpetuate anxiety and chronic stress response. Because basically that enteric nervous system is trying to give signals to the brain of like, things aren't okay. <laughs> We're freaking out here. We can't get rid of this thing. Um, and so it is really important to notice that when we're talking about probiotics, we want to pollinate with gut supporting compounds that are going to help us to 
fuel that enteric nervous system to make with the lactobacillus and bifido, the serotonin and GABA. And um, I think it's really important to connect the dots that yes, neurotransmitters made in the gut cannot cross the the blood-brain barrier. Remember, there's that protective barrier that defends against neurotransmitter crossing, which is good. If we were in a a car accident or something that was life-threatening, we don't want all of that epinephrine crossing through. That would be truly toxic to the brain. But there is a communication feedback. And so it still is very important on mood stability and stress resilience, what's being manufactured by the gut and how those signals basically communicate with the brain. They don't have to cross the brain to communicate with the brain, if that makes sense. I think it makes sense. Um, So in terms of food as medicine for probiotics, and we'll get into what to do in a moment if you don't tolerate probiotics, because it's not always the case of more is better and throw more probiotics at it. Um, But in terms of food as medicine, I know favorites around here are like the... um, They've now changed their name to Barrel Creek. I keep forgetting that, but the fermented pickled veggies, either the pickles or um, pickled okra, pickled carrots, pickled cauliflower kind of thing. Yeah, cultured vegetables, kimchi, sauerkraut. I love the wild brine uh, sriracha hot sauce, which is basically like a blended kimchi. It's amazing. Um, kombucha would be another one to consider, especially with that Saccharomyces boulardii, which can have anti uh, pathogen and antiparasitic as well as antifungal effects. And then if you tolerate dairy, I don't have dairy on my list because the anti-anxiety diet is dairy free, of course, based on that casein protein. But if you tolerate dairy and you've already eliminated it for that 12 week window and you've brought it back in and you think it's your friend, then you might also consider, of course, raw, uh, raw milk itself would have probiotic as would uh, raw aged cheeses and then kefir and yogurts. And doing like a, a dairy free, um, coconut yogurt, like the Colina brand would be a good option if you don't tolerate dairy as well. Yeah. And I mean, really in, in, in my opinion at, at that juncture, you know, you're, you're just getting like a probiotic enriched food, right? Yep. So you might want to just take a good quality probiotic. I mean, if you, if that food is filling a void of need, like you need a breakfast and has that good 20 grams of fat and it's balancing and it's an easy grab and go, um, that's a great option. But, you know, I, I think that the, the wild ferments are going to have much more diversity, um, e- even than a cultured dairy yogurt that you're going to dairy or non-dairy yogurt. That's going to be cultured secondary if it's using a pasteurized product versus like a raw yogurt, which is just cultured based on the presence of bacteria from the milk itself. Sure. That totally makes sense. Um, Byron and I got in an argument about the um, wild brine kimchi (laughs) sauce this weekend. He's like, oh, we're out. I'm going to blend some more kimchi and just put it in here because why are you paying more money for (laughs) blended kimchi? But it's a great- How'd it go? Um, He he won. Um, He doesn't always win. I always win, but I I let him have it. Um, And it's it's just as good and um, different- um, different flavor profile than the kimchi they're using, but it's because ours was like a Korean supermarket buy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but like I said, with probiotics, if you don't tolerate them or um, uh, can't take a probiotic supplement because it's like a bomb went off in your belly, like you say, or you're dealing with digestive distress, a probiotic challenge might be the place for us to start here. 
Yes. And also just like these couple supplements, I feel like every day I'm DMing someone on Instagram that has a question or or hitting up a podcast follower that has a question about this probiotic challenge. So you can Google Allie Miller RD probiotic challenge. We'll also put in the show notes, a link to the challenge, but it's, it's something specific using the baseline restore probiotic. And that is a 50, 50 blend of lacto and bifido strains with no fillers. You cannot use a supplement that has FOS or inulin or any prebiotic filler because that can interfere with the feedback of your probiotic challenge. You also can't use just any probiotic. It should be 15 billion CFUs of those two strains at a 50-50 blend. So just get the Restore Baseline Probiotic to use the challenge to get the data correct. And what you're going to do is take three waist circumference measurements at rise and rest with nothing, no change, no probiotic. And if you're taking a probiotic already, stop that and give yourself like a a five-day rest. Then do those three measurements. Then you take the baseline at bed for three nights in a row, a single pill, continue with the measurements. And then on the active time frame of, of the challenge, so the fourth day of taking a pill, you take two, fourth, fifth, and sixth day. Seventh, eighth, and ninth day, you take three capsules. And then the 10th, 11th, and 12th day, you're going to take four capsules. So you're working from 15 billion all the way up to 60 billion, 15 times four, right? Colony forming units. And what you're doing is looking at your data on your waist circumference of did your body get more bloated and distended in the evening or in the morning following intake of the higher amount? Or as you increased, did you get a more flatter abdomen? Was there no change at all? And then what's also happened in your symptoms? Was there changes in sleep? Was there changes in bowel formation and mass? Was there changes in flatulence like gas bloating, belching, gurgling, um, output, uh, passing gas, right? So we want to take a, a note on all of these symptoms of our digestive system, as well as potentially other dynamic trends of change and the waist circumference, and then see, have we improved with the increased dosage? Have we declined or has it been neutral the whole way through? Okay. And in your anti-anxiety diet cookbook supplemental guide, there is a worksheet to guide you through that. So if you're you know, a little confused or um, want somewhere to write down your data, I mean, you can easily scribble that in a notebook or put it in your notes in your phone. Um, but there is in your supplemental guide, a probiotic challenge worksheet that kind of walks you through the basics of it and provides a little chart for you to just kind of check the boxes of what symptoms you experienced over the course of the challenge. Totally. Yes. Super excited about that. Okay, let's hit the last one. So the last (laughs) nutrient of five, bum, 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 and this will be quick, is going to be um, CBD. So again, maybe we could go deeper into mood stabilizing minerals or specific amino acids, but I wanted to get you guys more of like the tools and the artillery. And I think that CBD is a little bit more of a light switch effect and um, definitely one that's more buzzworthy. So we've also hit on this in a topic specifically all about CBD. We will link that podcast episode in today's notes. Uh, it was with uh, Stephen Chernisky, who's such a fun biochemist. Uh, great conversation. Um, but the download on CBD is that uh, it stands for cannabidiol, and it is extracted from hemp. Okay, um, as far as in, it's extracted from cannabis, right? And it's going to be extracted from hemp as far as those that are you know legal throughout all of the states that don't have legalized marijuana. 
Um, and it can be otherwise extracted from marijuana, but it is extracted regardless from cannabis, right? Both hemp and marijuana fall into that classification. Now, what's important to understand is that the products that are nationally legal um, are going to contain nearly undetectable amounts of THC, and that's the main psychoactive component in cannabis. So THC will be generally less than 0.3% for any of those that are legally available as far as CBD formulas. Now, there is, just like I was talking about the, uh, you know, enteric nervous system and the gut having a second brain of the body. There's an entire system in the body called the endocannabinoid system. And this has two primary receptors, CB1 and CB2. So we actually produce cannabinoids. Um, Obviously, if our system is hardwired to receive them, (laughs) that means that these compounds have been circulating in our system for thousands of years. We produce, meaning endogenous cannabinoids in varied forms, CBD being one of them. And I talked about in the breastfeeding episode how CBD is very prevalent in breast milk, probably because of the anti-inflammatory and immune-modulating effects that they that therapeutically can support growth and development that are found in CBD. Um, we also make amandamide, which is a phytocannabinoid equivalent of CBD, and this is also made in response to red meat. So one of the chill effects of having a ribeye, not only is it delicious, but we might be making more amandamide in response of the um, digestive and absorptive process of the red meat, and this will have a mellowing out influence. Now, what varies CBD and THC? is again, that THC has that psychoactive component or quote unquote could get you high, whereas CBD does not. And THC mostly interacts with just the CB1 receptor, whereas CBD interacts with both CB1 and CB2 receptors. And what's significant about that is that we tend to see with THC more of an upregulation of dopamine, right? So dopamine is like that bliss-seeking reward influence. And dopamine, though, in some individuals when too high can create a hypervigilance or anxiety or worry or quote-unquote paranoia that's associated with smoking marijuana, right? So what happens is this pattern recognition goes on high alert system and that dopamine, rather than being calm bliss state, goes into oh no, something's happening, something's wrong. And that can then create an imbalance within our body's HPA axis and throw off more of a fight or flight alarm and not a good time. But again, the fact that CBD does not have a psychoactive property and that it hits both CB1 and CB2 has a much more modulating and balancing effect on our neurotransmitters. It also has been shown in research to have direct action on our GABA receptors, which again, GABA is like that primary chill pill, that neuroinhibitory calming effect for an anxiety or stress response. So this can be a really powerful tool, especially for clients that are like weaning off of pain medications or benzo drugs. If they were on sleep medications and other kind of nulling effects, uh, we can get that effect of GABA with CBD without having that dumbed down drugging impact. And we know that um, the benzodiazepine drug family have really significant harmful effects with long-term use on cognition and early onset of dementia. 
So that's kind of the population where I'm always trying to wean those clients to a quality melatonin formula, like my sleep support with CBD oil and getting them off of the the long-term use of those types of drugs. So awesome. So, so many great benefits of CBD. Um, Let's talk a little bit about dosing and recipes and and just how you would incorporate CBD into your day-to-day. Yeah. So I, um, I have not added CBD to matcha, but you totally could. Um, but I add CBD to coffee more so because if I'm going for that coffee beverage and I I want that more, you know, rich, nutty flavor profile, uh, the CBD will help to block that epinephrine adrenaline response to the caffeine so that I don't get that excitatory anxiety. I can still get the stimulant, but feel very grounded. So that's a really great balance there. And then I take it pretty much every evening at bed. I do notice that it helps me to get into a deeper restorative sleep. And I'll always travel with CBD. Um, it's one that will also, you know, it's, it's again, because in breast milk and whatnot, um, may use a little bit um, with Stella on a plane, that or a Gabacalm. Um, and she's performed really well with both of those as tools. Um, and then CBD can be used more as a pain um, a reducer in like a salve form. So I also keep, I, I use... Um, a local uh, CBD company and then also select. So I'll link them and you can use Allie Miller RD, I think to save like 15% or something. So always a good thing trying to hook you guys up with. Um, but the select salve is really dreamy. It has like a menthol base as well. So especially if I'm under high stress, I'll have Brady rub that on my shoulders or like around menstrual cramps. I'll use the CBD salve um, on my abdomen. And um, I find that to be very therapeutic as well, but about 30 to 50 milligrams in a tincture form. Um, and, uh, this is usually like a full ML in, in most potent form formulas is going to be about 30 milligrams or so, but it's one that you really want to watch the dose based on the bottle and then get that distribution. It's very tricky because they'll sell them by bottle. So it'll be like a, you know, um, one ounce bottle at 500 milligram potency and a one ounce bottle at 1200 milligram potency. Well, one ML dropper of those different bottles, the dropper is the same, right? But you might only be getting 12.5 milligrams of uh, CBD in that 500 milligram potency, whereas the 1200 milligram potency will be giving you 33 milligrams and that's closer to a real dosage. Got it. And actually, um, Select recently rebranded to Social CBD. So if you guys are looking for that, um, our link and everything still works. I will make sure to add it in the show notes, but um, they're now Social CBD. So just FYI. Interesting. <laughs> I, I called okay. it Select before too, but um, as of like a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, watch out. Um, there's so many products on the market now, like CBD gummies and CBD chocolate and all of this stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's cool and hip, but you're probably not getting a potent dose in most of those things. Like Ali said, that 30 milligrams is going to be pretty hard to hit in like a candy or chewable or anything like that. You need a a tincture. For sure. Okay. Awesome. So we've covered a lot of ground in today's episode. It's been a, a doozy from magnesium to B vitamins to L-theanine and probiotics all the way through CBD. Um, I think we'll save all of the lifestyle stuff for a future episode. Um, but I wanted to mention on, um, a program that we're coming out with. It's dropping in, should we say mid-October? Is it the end of October? I don't remember. Mid-October. Yeah. Okay. Um, our adrenal rehab 
program, um, which we filmed over, gosh, I think it was 4th of July. Weekend. 4th of July. We're working on that. Um, and Allie and Byron are going back and forth in, in some of the final editing process. And I'll be creating the materials um, here in the next couple of weeks and finishing those out. But uh, that program will incorporate uh, basically modules that go through, you know, if you liked today's episode, go through food as medicine pretty thoroughly, go through use of kind of your adrenal rehab artillery, if you will, with supplements as well as lifestyle elements. And um, yes. that's the part of today that we didn't get to, but do you want to tease out like a couple of, of uh, things that they'll find in that program? Yeah. I mean, it's just a really fantastic comprehensive fit of really bringing to life the work of the anti-anxiety diet and the anti-anxiety diet cookbook. So, you know, when I'm writing, I get limited to word count and <laughs> providing enough, you know, diversity of materials and whatnot. But when uh, I was able to film this program, I can really take you down the rabbit hole and explain the connection of how important it is for your body to feel safe and have that resilience to your daily stressors so that your regulatory function is optimized. So we go down the rabbit hole on hormonal influencers. Uh, we talk about leptin in great detail. We talk about different phases of carbohydrate restriction. We talk about how ketones are anxiolytic and the role of a high fat diet on hormone rebalance in the body and go deep down the rabbit hole into lifestyle as well, including things like mantra, self-talk, the use of blue blockers and, uh, you know, blue light screen and how that interferes with dopamine signaling to the brain and the importance of grounding and getting yourself in nature and so much more. I'm really excited for that to be kind of the next level that you all dive into with me as we won't be doing a virtual food as medicine ketosis program until January. So that's something that I will join you all in live. The adrenal rehab program is something you do on your own time, pre-recorded modules, but super deep dive. And I'm really confident that it's going to take a lot of you to the next level, making a lot of those aha connections that you need to hear all in kind of one sitting versus piecemealed episodes. So super stoked about that. Um, it'll drop in mid-October. I'm sure you'll hear more, more about that from me and Becky as the uh, timeline evolves. Yes, keep an eye out. More to come, but it'll be a perfect timeline. Again, you can do it at, at your own pace, um, but recommended to finish within about six weeks or so, and it'll be perfect timing for kind of ramping up to holiday season when so many of us can get really burnt out and strung out and stressed and just flatline exhausted by the end of the holiday season. So a really good tool and a really good way to um, just kind of preempt some of that stress-related burnout and support your system through the holiday season. Absolutely. So I hope today's episode was helpful. If you dug it, make sure you go on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review with a sentence or two of why you love the Naturally Nourished podcast. And maybe even more important, pause, stop, and go over to Amazon and leave a five-star review for the Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook once it drops, because that really helps to put it out in the scope of the world so that I can share this message with the masses. Thanks everyone for listening and catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. 
connect with Allie and Becky at Allie Miller RD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.